the idea that we have something going on in our world that we feel at times there's security and there's safety in it and stability until you've really had a disruption in your life and that experience. I don't know that you can really appreciate the amount of resiliency that we actually possess in our life. Podcast Junkies, episode 244. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. New visitors, new listeners to the show. You may have found it because someone suggested this specific episode, or you stumbled into it in your podcast feed. Either way, welcome. I'm grateful to have you listening to the show. Each week, I look for interesting voices in podcasting or people related to the podcasting industry and get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else comes up during the course of the conversation. Last week, we talked about social media posting with Mara Hughes. She's the social media lead for Meet Edgar. It's a tool that we've been using for years to schedule our posts, and it was helpful to get some insight from Mara about what's working for them and some ideas on how to best schedule and promote your podcast episodes, so make sure you check that out. Special thanks to our episode sponsor, Focusrite big fans of their 3G line of sound cards, and the Scarlett 2i2 has been my go-to for many, many years. I can't say enough good things about the quality and the craftsmanship of the Focusrite and Scarlett line. This month, there's a limited partnership that Focusrite has with Shure. They're offering an SM58 along with a Scarlett 2i2 and a pair of SRH440 headphones at a discount with a few select dealers. Make sure you check out the link in the show notes where you can find the details of this Create and Cast bundle. This week, I speak to my friend Russ Johns. He's a live streaming strategist and a podcast producer, and he joins the show to talk about the work he's doing at the Pirate Syndicate. He hosts the Pirate Broadcast, a show that brings all kinds of topics to the table with a common thread of thinking outside the box while still being kind. I love how this is a specific focus for Russ. We talk about his content creation process, what's happening in the podcast industry, and why Russ values paying it forward so much. Russ shares his growth and the progression he's experienced being the host of the show. He also talks a little bit about his personal journey of growth, and I think there's some unique gems in this conversation. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 244. This episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. If you're looking for help as a business with your podcast, we offer done-for-you services, coaching and consulting with our done-with-you services. And now we also have the Ultimate Podcast Dojo available. It's a new course and community designed to help you start your own podcast. Additional details at fullcast.co forward slash dojo, D-O-J-O. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. Right now, let's get pirating with Russ. So Russ Johns, host of Pirate Broadcast, thank you for joining me and my listeners on Podcast Junkies. Thank you so much, for Harry. It's been a great, great time and looking forward to it. So, Russ, we usually kick off with origin stories, and I think we were connected through LinkedIn. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you remember like how we crossed paths? Well, you know, being in the podcasting arena for a while now, I believe that we, I was doing research on 
guests. And one of the things I look for on the pirate broadcast, because it's a live stream show, is mm -hmm. people that have had experience with podcasting, because it's usually not a hurdle to deal with the technology. And then I saw you on a couple of other places, another couple of forums, probably having conversation. And I thought, Harry's an interesting guy. I should have him. <laughs> I should have him on the podcast and interview him as well. So. And what you do, and we'll get into the specifics of the decision you've made to, to go a more complicated route when it comes to <laughs> podcasting. So I, I want to geek out on that, on all of that. But I'm just curious, winding the clock back, when they came across your radar and what your journey into podcasting, like where it started. I actually go way back. I started in radio and I was doing, I was broadcasting on AM radio mm. for high school varsity sports. Okay. And interesting enough, I connected with a platform that I still use today is Spreaker.com. Oh yeah. And uh, a few podcasters are familiar with that. So what I did was I, I outfitted these college journalists and sportscasters with an iPad, an interface, and headphones. And they would actually go to the games and stream live to Spreaker and then back at the radio station, I would take that same live stream that they were broadcasting and recast that over AM radio. Okay. Wow. And so this whole automation thing, I had almost 20 broadcasters at one point in time broadcasting these high school varsity games in Texas and Houston. And then I actually, I think it was 2014 or 2015, I taught a workshop on how to do how, the simplest way to start a podcast. Okay. What year, what year is this? I think it was 2015, Okay, five years ago. Mm. And then I taught a few classes at uh, university for you know journalists and different people. And I taught podcasting for years. So, it, And then I got into live streaming. So that was kind of a turning <laughs> point. So. so what's your, where'd you grow up, first of all? I actually grew up in Utah. Okay. Played music for a number of years, and, and then I moved to the Northwest in, in the mid-80s. So, What do you play? I played drums. I was okay. a drummer for years. I started playing clubs when I was 16, and uh, then I fell in 87 in three stories and shattered my arm. And so now I play, or I learned how to play electronic music after that. Mm. So. Uh, how'd you fall? I was... <laughs> Well, you know what? Being a musician, there's always some side hustle that I have to have. Yes. And I was I was working for an outdoor advertising agency, which okay. I started working in outdoors, outdoor advertising in 85. And in 85, you know, the construction industry, because I've been doing some construction and stuff, mm -hmm. wasn't that great. So I tell people I fell three stories to get into advertising. <laughs> 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 and I was actually installing outdoor billboards. And they mm. call them poster panels, which are actually paper. And it's a fascinating subject. And it's like, okay, I can do this. I was, you know, it's like I was out there. And and what happened is, you know, chain of unfortunate circumstances, I fell. And wow. then I landed, I broke eight rungs of an, an aluminum ladder. And unfortunately, wow. it, it saved my life. And unfortunately, it was two years of rehab reconstruction and I was able to save my arm and I went through a lot of trauma and uh, about 36 surgeries to, wow. to to do reconstruction on my arm and it's one of those amazing events that you're then you're going 
wow, I was a drummer yesterday. What do I do now today? Mm. Interesting. And, and so that kind of got me into the, then I became a safety director for the company. And uh, it was the Ackerley Group, actually, that uh, I worked for. They own the Seattle Sonics, radio and television, okay. and outdoor advertising companies. So 15 years in that organization, and, and I ended up being, you know, working at the up at the top of the company before they sold to Clear Channel, which, mm. as you know, owns radio stations, and they yeah. did a lot in radio and television. So that's how I got into radio. That's crazy. Have you seen the show Better Call Saul? Yeah, I have. <laughs> so that scene where he falls off the billboard, I'm sure uh, you were just like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> and he faked his. Yeah. <laughs> he faked his, oh. which is funny. So I was wondering if you, you basically had a better call Saul moment there. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I, I actually noticed a woman and she had a son with her across the street at the bus stop. Mm. Yeah. And it was that kid was watching me. And he saw me fall and he goes, look, mom, that guy jumped off the sign. And fortunately, they called the ambulance and, you wow. know, I was, because when, after I fell, I was still conscious. I was still in shock and I was conscious. And it was like one of those things that you, those moments, you're like, I hope somebody sees me. I hope somebody, because I don't know how this is going to turn out, but it was a good yeah. day. It was like. So you weren't cabled in, obviously, you know, harnessed in. No, it was early days and the whole goal was you were supposed to put your ladder up over the top of the billboard and then connect in line. And I was attempting to get my ladder over the top of the, the poster panel and the, the paper was curved and I wasn't okay. sure that I was there and I was pulling on it to make sure that it was there. And as I pulled on it, it came through the paper and catapulted me off the front of the deck. So. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, I, I had a little stint, I think, Regular listeners will will know that I I did a detour into Atlanta <laughs> in 2001, right after actually 9/11, because I I think I left a, a month after, and I went to work for my half brother in construction. Mm -hmm. So I was got the boots, got the hard hat. I was doing takeoffs of plant of like blueprints for masonry, and I could estimate a, a building pretty accurately. <laughs> and oh, I was nice. figuring out like you know how much grout to order and how, how much labor and all that sort of stuff. But one thing that it did open my eyes to is my half brother at the time was making the transition from like got my own siding company and I got a crew. Now I'm starting to work with bigger companies and you know you start dealing with OSHA and you start dealing with safety regulations and you start figuring out like what are the how people need to be harnessed and having inspectors come by and all that sort of stuff. And we actually I mean unfortunately someone from one of the siding crews actually fell and I think broke his, broke his arm uh, falling off one of the houses that they were siding on. So it's something that I'm familiar with and have experienced a, a little bit. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that uh, accidents happen until, you know, and then I, as I came back, because I had experience with gravity, then I started writing fall protection programs and dealing with OSHA and dealing with all yeah. kinds of technology and, you know, writing and computers. And then I became the, the IT director because I had so much experience with the computers. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I've always been a lifelong learner and that's kind sure. of what led me to podcasting. It's like, Hey, this fascinates me, this, this platform and this ability. And I was always promoting this idea that you are the media mm. and technology is finally catching up to where we can actually make it easier. It's not, you yeah. know, it's not exactly simple as much as you'd like it to believe, but you know, you could get started pretty simple now it's yeah. easy so it's, it's exciting time it is and it, it feels like every time 
something happens big or some major changes or awareness of the platform, it feels like there's a new wave coming. I thought I was late in 2014 when I started, to be quite honest. I was like, oh, I missed the boat. I'm just getting in. Everyone started like in 2006, 2008. Uh-huh. And yeah, and just it's been fun to watch the new wave, the serial wave, you know, when everyone found serial and just like, oh, podcasting. And then, you know, just Spotify bringing a ton of awareness into the space now with what they're doing with Joe Rogan and all the money they're investing. And then obviously yeah. the bigger the bigger folks like Sirius getting into the game, buying like, you know, podcast hosting services like Simplecast. And so it's fascinating to watch how much it's changing. But I, I thought something that you said earlier was interesting how one day you're, this, is, this was your job and you're working putting a billboard and a, and a drummer and then literally like the next day you were you're not yeah. you know and and i think in covid it's a lot of similar type scenarios have happened you know one day you are a director for live events you know and then the next day <laughs> there's no more events <laughs> for the foreseeable future so you are pretty much out of a job so i think a lot of people and that's multiply that times probably millions oh if, yeah if you think about the yeah. whole globe so I think this idea of resiliency and learning how to deal with adversity is something that very, very quickly people have had to come to grips with and and realize the things that we think are definite and that we can count on. It's something we, we sort of need to revisit periodically and, and probably have a backup plan or, or probably be, be prepared mentally for the idea that the only thing constant is in fact change. Yeah. You know, I love the way you put that and the idea that we have something going on in our world that we feel at times there's security and there's safety in it and stability until you've really had a disruption in your life and that experience. I don't know that you can really appreciate the amount of resiliency that we actually possess in our life and the ability to pick ourselves up, be responsible for what we're doing and find another way to move forward. You know, and it's really important for people to hear this, that, you know, one, there was an instant when I was in the hospital and I'm in, you know, both my arms are in traction and, you know, I had skin grafts for my legs to, you know, cover some surgery and things like Mm -hmm. that. And there was somebody that was probably younger than me. And I was looking at, okay, well, what, what do I do for my future? How do I figure out what I can do? And what's next for me? And there was somebody across the hall that was on suicide watch because he had his foot crushed and it was going to be amputated. And right. and so that instant and that emotion that it was, I could either look at the future or look at what I don't have. And so you have to make a choice. Everybody has a choice to be responsible for their future, their actions, and what they're looking forward to. Because even though it may not be comfortable and the experience may be dramatic with trauma, you really have to think about what can I do with what I have and move forward with that. And like you said, be resilient adjust what your expectations are. And sometimes your expectations can be far, they can exceed what you're currently doing, you know? Why was that so impactful for you? I I think I have an idea based on the circumstances you were in, but like what, what, how did that affect you in the moment? And how did 
you know, the fact that you're telling the story now also is it's something that you've carried with you as well. So I'm wondering if you can think back to how that may have affected and continues to affect decisions you make in your life now. Yeah, you know, there's two statements that I always share with people is kindness is cool and smiles are free. And the reason those are so important is because just exactly what we're seeing right now in COVID, you can either be a victim or you could be victorious. And the people that decide to be responsible for their future and make a difference and make an impact and bring value to the table, you know, kindness, you don't know what people are going through. So if you're always kind to somebody, you could make a difference in their day. You could make a difference in how they're feeling about themselves. They could make a difference in, in what's going on around their world. And you could be supportive even if you don't know everything about what's going on in their day. Mm. So if you take that moment in time and you say, what can I do to add value to somebody else? And it's, it's a very simple equation. Kindness is cool and smiles are free because there's been times where, you know, if you're not having the best day out of the, the year and somebody does a kind act or opens a door or says thank you or comments on something or gives you a compliment, that changes your perspective. And smiling also has the same effect on how you're feeling. It, I mean, there's psychology and physiology about smiling that makes a difference in your day, the way you feel yeah, yeah, totally. and the way you react. Yeah. And so it, just carrying that forward in not only my attitude, but the attitude that I present to other people. It's, and it's just a simple equation that I've learned to live with and learned to appreciate. So, you know, and, and that's just a practice that I've used for years mm -hmm. in order to, you know, make a difference, make it matter. Very cool. So fast forward now, you've got, it's interesting how life put things in your path and you were forced to adapt and learn new skills. And so, cause you, you said you were, you know, you were a drummer and then you're, you're putting up billboards and then you, which, and then the company happens to be a radio company. And so you have to learn that tech and then, you know, computers. And so you're, you're sort of piecing together <laughs> all these skill sets and now learning, you know, radio and then which led into podcasting. So when did, did the idea for pirate broadcast start? It was about, I guess I really took off a little over a year ago. And, you know, in radio, if you don't have an FCC license, you're a pirate broadcaster. FCC regulations, if you're broadcasting without a license, you're a pirate broadcaster. Yeah. And I didn't have LinkedIn Live at the time. And I wanted to share this story. I wanted to interview people and share and highlight their stories. And so I started out on YouTube and then I would make it appear as if it were on LinkedIn, and then I would share it as a LinkedIn post. So the name came up as the Pirate Broadcast, because <laughs> it was not on LinkedIn, but I was broadcasting <laughs> yeah. on LinkedIn That's without funny. live. So yeah, was, yeah. And then, you know, it's like, okay, we find our own way. We find our path. We find our vision. And, you know, just like a pirate, you know, you just got to piece it together and figure out what needs to happen to make it happen. So... That's kind of, that's the source of the story of the pirate broadcast. 
And I think what's interesting is the fact that unlike a, the typical podcast route, not, I don't even know that there is one, but you know, people will record their content and then edit it, make it sound really good and professional and then get it out and publish it. But there's an aspect to what you do where it's live and live on LinkedIn and other platforms now because you're streaming. So why the decision to stream as opposed to just record it and then clean it up, polish it up, and then publish it later? <laughs> Transparency, 100%. I was tired of editing. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. And it's the reality is, is that I knew that I could create a lot of quality content and live streaming was just on the tip of the iceberg. And I was early on, you know, not early on. I was fairly early in the podcasting space, you know, by doing the games and, you know, streaming audio to the radio station. I, I thought, I could do the same thing with video and now that I could stream video and then what I could do is take that audio file and condense it down and convert it into an audio file and put it, create a podcast out of that and then use automation and systems and build systems around that where I could scale that as a business. The pirate broadcast is basically the testing grounds for the pirate syndicate, which I'm using to produce shows for other people. So so now we're going to go down that rabbit hole a little bit. So, <laughs> so is, was this the original vision? Is this what you had in mind? Or did you sort of like ease into this and you're like, well, I, I see what's working for me. And now that I see that there may be a business opportunity here as well. It was parallel. I've always produced content for other people and, you know, through my other adventures, which are many. And I always enjoyed creating content and I always enjoyed highlighting and helping other people along their journey. And what I discovered, and I'm sure that you can appreciate this by doing podcasts for a number of years now, not everybody enjoys and appreciates the production side of the equation. Yep. You know, so having somebody assist you with that process and do that is very useful. And so what I thought about doing is is like, okay, rather than producing and polishing a podcast and editing, which I've done hundreds of podcasts in the past, is if I do a live stream and then create the content out there and then create micro content out of there, then that I think would be a very viable business. And then I started thinking about that. And so I tested it early on with the Pirate Broadcast and said, okay, what does it take? So I did 30 shows solo doing everything all myself okay. and and streaming to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter through Periscope and then LinkedIn Live all at the same LinkedIn time. Live. All at the same time. Okay. And then I also take that then I download that file and then process it. So on russjohns.com I have a transcription, I have the live stream video or through YouTube reposting through YouTube. And then I take the audio file and then send that off to Spreaker. So I have words, images, audio, and video all on a post. And what else is there? Because I, I think I love like seeing how the sausage is made sometimes with some of these shows and the processes. So anything <laughs> uh -huh. else in that workflow yeah. in terms of like what you do and as you think about like where content starts and all the different places that it ends up, what else is in there? Yeah. So what I do in advance is for the show, I create the graphics for the social feed for the podcast and the promotion for the show. So the, that content is created. 
which is also used for the graphic and the overlays for the video, which is live streamed. And then I take after the show, then I take and promote the post to the guests. And also the booking process is all automated. So you get notifications, you get follow-up, you get links to the show. And then as the show is taking place, I'm also utilizing that live stream on and making comments in the feed and following up and, you know, highlighting people that are in the feed. So for the engagement, the interaction. And then after the show, I also process the audio through a phonics. Yep. And so, you know, the audio balance in the podcast is the same for every episode. So people don't get blown out from one to the next. So it's normalized and, and then I do 16 lots. And also then I take and create micro content from that for promotion after the fact. So I'm building a library of content before, during, and after each episode. How many episodes uh, we're talking about now? I believe there's 260 episodes. Very impressive. Congratulations. Yeah. So. So ha- that's five days a week. <laughs> that's a lot of content. <laughs> And I think it stresses the importance of having a system because in order to produce that much content without feeling like you're just creating a backlog of work or audio to your point that needs to get edited, you know, you've taken that part out of the equation. And I would venture to say that once an episode is recorded and it's into your system, there's really not a lot you do after because you're already thinking about what's coming next from future episodes as well and, and planning those. Yeah. Well, after that initial 30 episodes, what I did, my sister works for me. So I trained her on how to to produce the show. And then I've trained, then she's trained a few other producers. So I have another producer that's, that, uh, that produces, actually produces the show and all of the, the content for the show. And because it's live stream and it doesn't require a lot of due diligence on the editing piece, which is, You know, time will tell whether or not it's a positive or a negative. However, it's it's one of those things that I think, okay, as I improve my show and my conversations and my questions and remove the ums and the ahs and the you knows and all of the nuances of how we speak, that improves the show over time. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I could continue to practice and improve the output by self-editing live. And then that reduces the overall requirement for editing post shows. And uh, so we'll test the theory a few more years. (laughs) So what's the actual, so now you've moved into where you're doing this for other shows. So it's essentially, you validated the model, you're the original pirate, and now you're recruiting other pirates to the network. Is that accurate? That's accurate, absolutely. And what's unique, because we're in a certain zone right now, Harry, is where what's showing up is live uh, s- virtual events. So I'm using the same skill set to produce virtual events as much as anything right now with the Pirate Syndicate and not as many virtual shows, one-on-one shows. And I think that there's a huge opportunity because I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg. And what I'm seeing is organizations want their show. They want to be seen, be heard, Mm -hmm. and be talked about. And so I think that that's going to be the next kind of push that I go through is promoting this to organizations that want to be creating content 
without the overhead of, you know, a big team and a lot of moving parts. They just want to be able to come to the episode, you know, and, and repeat this experience over and over again and kind of share and think of a contractor, you know, we both talked about construction. Mm -hmm. Think of a contractor interviewing their subcontractors and then talk about how their process works and how valuable it is for a business to use them as a contractor or, you know, this promotion without being promoting. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that with clients all the time, the different styles and formats you can have for a show. You can talk to colleagues in the space so you can kind of build your thought leadership uh-huh. that way you can talk to prospects people that you want as clients and just ask them what their challenges are <laughs> and inevitably some of them might end up as clients and then interviewing your best clients as well uh, is always a great framework one of the, the four questions yeah. i have the mask is what were you doing what were you struggling with like 18 months ago before we met what was it about our offer our services that attract you to start working with us? What's the result you've had since we started working together? And then what would you tell someone who's in your shoes 18 months ago? So if they get, if they answer those four yeah. questions, then it just builds out a really effective client testimonial, <laughs> which. Uh, that's a brilliant set of questions, yeah. Harry. And, and I'm sure that it's productive for you over time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how have you grown as a host and as an interviewer? Because I imagine uh, your very first interviews are a bit different than what your the style and the format that you have now, 200 plus in. I think it's really been something that I've actually improved. I enjoy the show has been the biggest improvement because what's taken place and what I've noticed most is that other people are asking me hey, I have a friend that I really think would be great on your show. Mm. Would you consider Mm -hmm. them? So now the pirate community has been phenomenal. I've made friends. I've built relationships. I've, you know, developed business from the relationships that I developed. And all of these things come to fruition to really just improve my life, you know, improve the value that I can bring to the table and help other people along their journey. And I offer advice and recommendations to, you know, anyone that asks. It's like, how do you do this? And I'll I'll be more than happy to help them along their journey and offer suggestions and recommendations. And I think it's really an experience that people may not necessarily think about until they've gone through it. And it's like, how can I add value to the rest of the world? And it goes back to the kindness is cool, smiles are free. And the biggest takeaway for me is that I got in a groove. I'm in my groove. I love the opportunity to help other people and share that message. And I think it's just as long as I keep doing that, it's always going to keep coming back to me. And, you know, I've been a remote worker for over 10 years and, and doing different things with different organizations. And uh, I help startups and I've helped individuals and I've helped grow networks and things like that. And it's really about just having an opportunity to help people and grow in their experience around podcasting and live streaming and just creating, you are the media. That's, Mm. it goes back to that theme. You are the media. So tell your story. Stories are critical and you have an opportunity to share your story. How do you approach the conversation? I'm curious. And and if you follow other shows, interview-based shows and how you think about your style and how you engage 
for the duration because you sort of have to lead. And as the host, we have to lead the conversation. And I think the biggest challenge for me is not asking questions when I'm being asked on other shows because <laughs> the host in me wants to <laughs> turn it into an interview. But when you are yeah. the host and it is your show, you know, you own, you're responsible for the pacing of it and you're responsible for getting the best out of your guests. And I'm wondering if there's any, any way that you've found that you've matured, gotten better, had new skills that you've developed so that you become a better host? Well, you're a phenomenal host. And I think that, you know, like yourself, I've learned that everyone has something that's interesting. And as the host, you have to dial in and figure out what is that thread that I can pull on that may surprise the guest, may also keep the interest of the audience yeah. and the community kind of engaged in, and just be open and transparent and vulnerable. I think, you know, a lot of people are, you know, getting tired of the word authentic, you know, it's like, it's just be myself. It's, and when I'm curious, it seems to be easier to process questions. Yeah. And I'm curious, honestly curious about the individual. You know, that's what brings out the best in the episode. I'm curious, Russ, and this is seem like a strange question, but were you always this way? Or is this something that just comes, you know, as, as we get older? I'm about to turn 50s. This We're recording this September, late, late September 2020. Mm -hmm. Everyone, having gone through COVID, I turned 50 October 10th. So it's... Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> so it's interesting. I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis, but I would call it a midlife review because let's say I do live to 100. I'm like, well, how do I want the second 50 to, to look like? And I've matured in terms of things that I do better now and decisions make better decisions now. So I'm just curious, you know, what that journey has been like for you. And if you, this is something that you've always been, because I just sense that you're just a, a kind-hearted, giving person. And if that's something that that has come over the years and just from experiences and, uh, or what your take on it is? Uh, that's a great question. And I believe that I have that in my DNA. The fabric is, you know, I truly believe that we are the accumulation of our experience and the kindness that I have. And it's just a, I don't even know how to describe it, but I really feel that there's a lot of amazing people out there that, are maybe not willing to share everything about what they're doing. And, you know, if you could go out there and, and just, you know, just help people. Yeah. It's a simple equation. Yeah, yeah. I've always been, I've always been somebody that to, to, to loves learning. So I've always been kind of in a position of people ask me questions, you know, and it's not necessarily a leadership role as much as a mentor kind of a position. So it's always been very comfortable for me to be that way and be supportive of other people. And I think it comes from, you know, I was the oldest boy in a family of six and I've, you know, I have a very tight family and I've lost two sisters. I had two boys and I lost my son, my oldest son to suicide. Oh, wow. And, you know, these experiences in your life kind of temper your resiliency and your opportunity to to maybe be a little more gentle with people understand what you know like i said you don't know what people are going through so if you can help people along lift them up and you know i'm a little older than you i'm i'm 62 now and i've had a amazing life and amazing experiences that have allowed me to develop this 
and continue to hone this attitude toward kindness and generosity and uh, simplicity. You know, I don't need a lot to keep me going. I love the opportunity to learn something new every day and be 1% better than I was yesterday. So if, you know, if I'm granted the opportunity to live for another 40 years, then it's like I can help more people mm. across the borders. That's fantastic. Thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, this idea of simplicity yeah. is interesting. I, I'm in California now and uh, for a couple of weeks, and I experienced my first major earthquake <laughs> a couple, a couple oh, of wow. nights ago. It was a 4.6. And it's that feeling, it's an interesting feeling of like, a little bit of helplessness where you're, you, there's nothing to uh -huh. do. You just literally have to just wait it out. And it wasn't that long, maybe 10, 15 seconds. But I was just sitting there thinking, because I was just about to get ready to go to bed. And uh, there was nothing to do except just ride it out. And I imagine if it was stronger, if things started falling off the shelves and glass started breaking. They always say in LA, you should have a pair of shoes by your bed. And that's why, because <laughs> you never know. Yeah. And, then, and then you start to think about like, what would I grab? And what would I you know, just if the house is coming down, like, then you really start to really think like, okay, the dog and like my passport, and maybe that's it, you know, just um, everything else is replaceable. So it's interesting. And, yeah. and you think more of that. I agree that you do think more of that as you get older. And I think what's important is uh, I was I was a, a, been really going down a bit of some rabbit holes on like personal sovereignty, meaning making, having agency and it's been really fascinating because it's helped me to understand and un what's happening at a civilization level and it's a, it seems to be a recurring thread in these interviews because I keep bringing it up because it's really top of mind yeah. for me but what's interesting is all these tribal conflicts that we're having they're called mimetic tribes in some of the articles that I've been reading but it's everything from like black lives matter to social justice activists to white supremacists mm -hmm. to fascists to marxists it's just literally like everyone's got their own tribe and they're all trying to like make the loudest noise and i think there's what's needed now is more than ever is people who can mediate between those tribes and i've seen some interesting work along those lines and also wisdom we need wisdom yeah. we need people who don't have us may not just have a specific experience or i mean or a specific skill set we're just like oh we need you because you're good with technology or you're good with computers no, we just need you because you've been around long enough to know like uh, there's some wisdom there and you know one of the the ideas that came out was this idea of, of grandmother wisdom as well because i feel like as you know if you took, look at ancient civilizations and indigenous tribes like the the focus was on the matriarch right because they yeah and, and there's some tribes where the men would want to go to war and they could not go to war unless they were able to come to the matriarchs of the of the tribe and, and state why and the matriarchs would say and the grandmothers would say well if you can guarantee that you can bring all the boys home and no one's going to die then you, you have my blessing and so it's interesting like you know <laughs> we, we don't live like that and and so I was, no. I was thinking about that as you were saying that the importance of, yeah, speaking from experience in terms of like, hey, been down this path. And I know it's harder for younger folks. I, I was stubborn myself when I was in my 20s. So <laughs> they may or may not want to hear it. But I think to the extent that we yeah. can make, make that possible, I think more of that is needed in the world we live in today. Yeah. Well, and, and to amplify that a little bit more, I think that if people could consider one idea and the the idea is to when you can hear to listen rather than to respond mm -hmm. you know if if you can really hear what the other person is saying and under, and 
really take the, a moment to understand where they're coming from and why they have the perspective that they have. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. It doesn't yeah. mean that you have to be on their side. It just means that once you understand where they're coming from and how they got to that place, then you can understand how to have a conversation rather than, than an argument. And I think a lot of people are, they're so polarized at this point in time in history. And I think the media plays a lot, a bigger role than we'd like to give them credit for. And because there's a lot of people that are polarized because of the polarization that's taking place in media. And when you really boils down to, I don't know, you know, that many people that are that upset or polarized about general day-to-day -day life. You know, you see it around and you, you get a sense that it's there. However, it doesn't have to be. And if you buy into it and you believe that you're right and that's the only thing that's right, then you're not listening to understand. Yeah. You're listening to respond. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting in some of these circles, some of these folks are come from like a stoic background and there's this thing called game B, which is like game A is everything we've lived civilization wise up until now. And, and game B now is this alternative, alternative way of viewing and having these types of discussions sort of harkens back to you know Plato and you know, the, what yeah. was happening back then. And, and I've heard something described as a Omega rule, which is essentially what you've outlined and you're saying you can, it's a way sort of a, a tool to use when you're having these types of discussions where you listen to what someone has said. And if you're following Omega rule, you're essentially like exploring the differences in, in opinion in a way, you know, I've always said earlier, this idea of being dis disagreeing without being disagreeable. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's interesting. Very, very good advice. Yeah. And it's just something that's needed now because there's so much screaming and people vying for attention and misinformation. And I don't know if you've watched The Social Dilemma or The Great Hack. I was yeah. just going to... I was oh, just talking about this yeah, in email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing about The Social Dilemma and some of the things that I reflect on is exactly the same thing. It's like, I'm embedded in the social fabric of, you know, the digital arena, just like yourself. And you're thinking about, well, if I were not doing this, because I love it, I love the content creation, I love the whole process. If I were not doing this, what would I be doing? Yeah. And I don't really have a good answer. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know how you feel about that, but I'd love to, I'd love to kind of explore that even further as I go throughout the next year yeah. or so. I saw someone post, because initially anyone who has any sort of common sense, who thinks through logically, who is heart-centered, who applies reason to arguments, they're getting turned off by everything that's happening on social, and so they're leaving. And so this person's point was, look, if all the people who have some sort of common sense are leaving, it only leaves the people who are on the fringes who just make a lot of noise and know how to make you know really effective like animated memes <laughs> to, to suck yeah. people in. And what you learned is like, those are the people that are susceptible to the infiltration by Russians or because the Russians didn't hack anything. They literally just used Facebook how it was meant to be if you watch The Great Hack, which is the other documentary I was referring to, and mm. Cambridge Analytica. And so they, there was no hack. Oh. They didn't break into any system. They just used Facebook normally as it's supposed to be used. <laughs> yeah, they just used the tools that were yeah. available. Yeah. And so that's what's even scarier, to, to influence another country's like election, which is wild and definitely another rabbit hole. But yeah, just yeah. Uh, I, I thought you might enjoy that. 
couple of questions as I'm wrapping up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? How important it is to actually stay on social media mm. as long as I need to. Mm -hmm. How has that changed for you? It's changed because I think that there's a certain sense of as you move from a scarcity or a imposter syndrome mindset to a value-based mindset, you know, you can, as my good friend Ronald says, it's much easier to attract and engage than it is to chase and convince. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm creating what I need to create for myself and I'm adding value to the world, then I'm not in a position where I have to, and I believe in what I'm doing, I don't necessarily have to chase people down to, to be valuable. I will attract that value and I will, I will attract and engage with people that are interested in what I'm doing and what I'm putting out into the world. And if it's kindness is cool and smiles are free, then there's a win for everyone. Very cool. What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about you? Uh, some people don't really believe that I'm exactly how I am. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? I actually had my niece ask me that. She goes, how do you keep so mellow? And my response to that is because I've had the shit kicked out of me so many times that I understand that it's not, it's not about me. It's, it's about being in the world and doing the best thing I can with what I have. And all they have to, and, and what you can do going forward is when people ask you that question, you can redirect them to this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I appreciate you, Harry, and all the work that you do. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to come on, Russ. I'm glad we got to dig in a little bit. Like I like to say, I really, it's a little bit selfish with these interviews because they're an opportunity for me to get to know some of my podcasting friends a little bit more. We can't have the hallway conversations at the conferences for the short term. And so now I'm more conscious of like who I'm having on and I'm going back through the list of people that I've connected with. And I'm like, why, wait a minute, how is it that Russ hasn't been on? And I want to catch up with <laughs> Russ and I want to see what's going on with Russ. So let's just make it an episode. And so, you know, it's, I'm sort of yeah. like now leveraging the platform for my benefit. And, you know, by extension of that, the listener feels my enthusiasm, yeah. the fun that we have during these conversations, which I hope is infectious. And uh, so I'm just, I'm looking yeah. forward to continuing more on that. So I want to thank you for coming on sharing your story and being open to share some of the stuff that I think will be helpful as well. Yeah. Well, you are a pirate and you're always welcome <laughs> back. So yeah, jump on anytime. Yeah, I definitely will. And I think it's interesting because this idea of working with a, a live audience, so to speak, it's, it's another experience. I've done it when I've done webinars and you see people chatting and you get excited. It lifts you up and you do have regulars that I've seen because they've commented on stuff when we were talking. So that's fun as well. So yeah, maybe it's something that I'll dig into. I'm always looking for projects that don't add more work um, so I can, I can just record and then leave and maybe something that's fun to do so where's the best place for folks to learn more about a pirate broadcast and to connect with you online i'm always on linkedin okay. pretty steady and uh, russjohns.com is the best place to track me down well brother thank you so much got the weekend coming up here in the states and so hopefully you have something planned that's relaxing <laughs> as well take care and thanks for your time Thank you, Harry. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Russ for sharing his story. Much appreciated. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 244. 
intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Cedarsoil.com for his full catalog. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlett 2i2 Pro. Don't forget to check out the deal that Focusrite is offering in partnership with Shore. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite Shore. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Tune in next week for my conversation with Sarah St. John. She's the host of the Frugalpreneur podcast. If you made it this far, you're no doubt listening for the retention hashtag. Let's go with hashtag pirate russ and you can tag him at russjohns.com spelled out so r-u-s-s-j-o-h-n-s-d-o-t-c-o-m and podcast underscore junkies thanks for all you do to support the show talk to you next week my friends